welcome in to another special edition of Sportball. So many special boy editions. Sam. You wouldn't even let me get to the special. intro. You see this? This is like I'm dealing with those two guys from the Muppets. Uh, what are their names? Waldar and... Oh, Waldorf and... Uh, starts with an S. <laughs> yeah. Stadler? Yes, that's it. Stadler and Waldorf. That's what you guys are, basically. Uh, <laughs> I'm just Kermit trying to keep the show together. Um, <laughs> so we're in the midst of the playoffs right now. We are recording this on Tuesday, 8.45 p.m. Central Standard Time, U.S. of A. So our listeners will forgive us if by the time you hear this, things have gone in a different direction than we anticipated. But we're going to go over all the playoffs right now, playoff matchups right now, and give our thoughts on them as we stand here today and try to kind of uh, predict the in the record. future. You're sitting? Yeah. You said as we stand here today. Oh, okay. So this doesn't I, apply to you then? I just want to be honest with those. <laughs> <laughs> it, would, it would be kind of weird to be standing, although maybe I'll try it one time. Standing desk? Yeah, I have a standing desk. I never use it, though. I prefer to sit, you know? Mm-hmm. And have bad posture. Anyway, so there is one series that we pretty much know for round two. In fact, one of the series is wrapping up as we speak. So we'll start with that. Then we'll go through all the other scenarios. And then I think we finished with a little a little um, review of how our Stogie, Skulldog, and Squammy boys are doing in the playoffs. And spoiler alert, the Squammy boys, since they're all Boston players, are not doing well. <laughs> all right so i want to start by talking about bucks nets round two because the bucks swept the heat and the nets looks like are about to finish off the celtics uh they're up 3-1 and lead 10 in the fourth quarter as we speak and record right now. 13 actually oh you must be ahead of me so this is i'm very very excited for this series We've seen these teams play this year, and they were great games. You guys remember that that last game they played at the end of the season? Yeah. Giannis block KD. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the Bucks after that sweep of the Heat, looked pretty scary, even with when the, they did lose Dante DiVincenzo, one of their starters, but they looked much improved from last year, as we knew they would. Um, and they match up great with the Nats. I know Kyle is sweating just thinking about it. So That's the – that's the team that I'm most worried about in these playoffs. Yeah, yeah. And I, I'm very excited for this series. A good chance that the um, the finals representative of the East comes out of that series, right? So what do you, what kind of angles are you guys looking for out of that series? And uh, who do you see winning? Well, I think <clears> – <throat> I guess – as Kyle once asked, do you want my objective opinion or my biased opinion? Um, you know, I think all of our listeners will know, like Kyle's the Nets fan of the three of us, and I will be actively cheering against them. Uh, I want to correct you. I'm not necessarily a Nets fan. You're I'm a Harden fan. fan, and he happens yeah. to play for the Nets. Right. Yeah. One of them. Um, <clears throat> yeah, so, I mean, I'll be – I'm going to pick Brooke book. Jesus. I'm going to pick the bucks 
in seven. Well, actually, I might pick them in six since the box and that's would be have a home game in game seven. So that might be tough, but um, yeah, I think it's, it's kind of interesting. It's, it's like we say, okay, well the bucks have their own big three that can match up as well as anybody against the nets. But like, if we're being completely honest on paper, right. It's like Katie's better than Giannis Harden's better than drew Kyrie's, better than Middleton. So what are we even talking about here? <laughs> but obviously the Bucks have a, a better track record defensively. Coach Bud is actually playing his players more than 35 minutes. Um, and they've looked great so far. And, you know, the Nets lost a game to the Celtics without Jalen Brown. So they're not impenetrable. Um, and, uh, yeah, I'm very excited for the series. I think the Nets will be and should be favored. But I think, I think the Bucks have a good shot. Yeah, I think it'll be a long series. Kyle, I assume, why don't you just tell us why the Nets are going to win? I mean, Seth just said it. You, the Nets just have really the three best players in the series. <laughs> um, all right, we knew that from the beginning going into the year, especially when they got Harden, that was just going to be the toughest thing for any team to overcome having, you know, three top 10 players in the league on the same team. Kyrie, I guess, is questionable as being top 10, but uh, you get my point. Um, and then you still have, you know, very solid role players. You, you know, Joe Harris being a fourth option, uh, he, he would be a dominant scorer on any other team, and he doesn't even have to score more than, like, 14 points a game on this team for them to blow, blow other teams. I don't teams think he'd be a water. dominant scorer on any other team, and he's a shooter. I bet if he was, like, the second player on a team, he would average 25 points a game. You don't think so? Really? Uh, he didn't last year. He doesn't have much off-the-bounce off bounce game. Beats their own. Um, either way, <laughs> obviously, I said it last time too. We were on. This is my most worrisome matchup for the Nets, just because, you know, I mean, we saw it in the first round. Bud is all of a sudden not afraid to play his starters thirty-eight minutes a game if needed, and he's going to need it for this series. So I guess this is really going to be a true test of if Bud has actually changed or if the one game where. Giannis and Middleton that that first game in the Miami series if he really only played them because it was so close but I mean if every you know that was the only game he had to if he had to do it you know four or five games in a row is Bud really going to do that I don't know you think he'd have to yeah. especially with the the Dante injury now um yeah it's and it's going to be very interesting though I know a lot of people think because. Uh, I know Seth just mentioned KD better than Giannis. But I think Harden's a better player overall than Ke Kevin Durant is, don't you? He's the best really? player on that team. Don't you think so? No, I, I still think KD is better. How long have you thought Harden's better than KD for? Uh, since the injury. 
I mean, Katie's basically looked like himself since the injury. I feel like. Except he missed half the season, but yeah. Right. When he plays, he's better than Harden, I would say. But I agree that Harden's availability. All I know, is better. I don't know. Although if really, just, wasn't this season. I don't know if it's only I follow other Harden stands on Twitter, which could be the case. But there is a large group of people that agree with me here. <laughs> I mean, like it's uh, night and day defensively. Right. Katie's like an elite defender, and Harden is below average. So he is not yeah. a below average defender by any means. Okay. <laughs> he's he's good at like three times a game he gets a switch and someone tries to back him down and they think because he's six five they can back him down in the post and he does good in those opportunities but he still has lots of times where someone does a back cut and he lets him go by or whatever i mean literally 20 seconds ago someone just scored on him because he didn't see him right behind him so I mean, if I you think, want to talk about his effort, sure, but we could talk about LeBron's effort on the defensive end too sometimes. So <laughs> what's the – Yeah, I don't think LeBron's an elite defender either. Not anymore. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, obviously we're, we're all never going to agree on Harden, so. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if this podcast has to turn into a discussion on James Harden as it does every episode, but – then again, Kyle says say something spicy like that every episode, so we have to do something. <laughs> so, yeah, I still think the Nets win six games, mate. I wouldn't want to say six. Then they'd have to win away. I don't want to say seven either, so I'm going to say Nets in five. Really? So this is the series you're most worried about, and you're picking Nets in five? It's either I pick them in five or seven. Why? Uh, yes, I said because I the the law of numbers would say the home team more often than not wins at home, which would be five or seven. Yeah, I wonder I if that even matters seen. this year. Honestly, home home court that hasn't seemed to matter, and I haven't really figured out why. Because fans are back. I think home courts mattered. I mean, I mean, it's not it's it's not the bubble. We saw it with Miami. If these were completely empty gyms, this might be a completely different. Yeah, Story. but you think about the Mavs Clippers, not a single team has won at home so far. Um, well, that's just inept coaching and a hurt Luca and a shit Porzingis. So <laughs> I feel like that's that's the window. Him. well, I'm reading a bring article right coaching. now that says being the home team this NBA postseason has mattered as much as it did in the Orlando bubble. So I just don't know why that is. The same thing's happening in the Blazers Nuggets, too. But might just be an aberration in the first round. I don't know. But yeah, I think I think this is gonna be a long series. Um, I think it's gonna be one of the most exciting series of playoffs, and I'm really excited for it. Um, I'm curious what the matchups are gonna be like, and um, you know, Drew Holiday is just showing everyone his capabilities on the defensive end, especially like. I wonder if they'll throw him on Kyrie and just try to take Kyrie out of the game, if they'll throw him on Harden, or if they'll be switching on everything and it really won't matter who your like primary defender is. I'm curious to see how that – will Giannis spend the majority of the game on KD? No. Will they have Tucker on KD most of the time when he's in? Probably, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think that they're going to have to start Tucker given Dante's injury and then – I questioned if 
if Bryn Forbes is as playable off the bench as he has been against, I mean, he had a great series uh, against the Bucks, but you got to think that those, those three guys will put him in pick and rolls and he's a very, very yeah. weak defender. So I'm curious to see how that plays out. I mean, yeah, like, like we said, they have those three guys to match up on paper, but we all know who the three better ones are. So I feel like it's almost like we don't talk enough about, you know, when the Warriors were formed with KD, right? Everyone, the whole talk was about, this is just unfair for the league. Like they're just going to the championship for the next five years. It doesn't seem like people are talking that way about the Nets. I don't know if it's because they haven't they're played older. together that much this season because of the defensive this seems uh, a lot older than that, that Warriors team was. And the Wouldn't Warriors just were already plus? champions. Right. So maybe it's because we haven't seen it yet. Why would that be a plus? Uh, more more playoff experience, I was just thinking. Sure, they have more experience, but aren't older players also more susceptible to injuries? And, you know, not yeah, yeah, less likely to have a five-year run, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's true. Because what, yeah. Katie's how old now? 30 32 I think 32 yeah coming off an Achilles injury I love how two in the NBA were like okay you're 25 ah they're still young 27 prime once they hit like 28 29 we're like whoa Done. he's 29 now like watch out <laughs> called the bell curve Sam the end of a four-year contract that's looking dicey <laughs> yeah I mean you guys are the ones that told me the way pe- people play today that KD is going to be playing elite level basketball seven years from now so he won't be himself as a defender, but I don't, you know, his still be hitting threes. Yeah, his perimeter scoring, it, I think, still stays elite. But you know, getting to the basket and his defense definitely, I feel like, will regress. We'll just become James Harden with time. <laughs> <laughs> so we got we got two nets. I'm going to take nets. Push comes to shove, Kyle. I will join you. Um, I don't think in five though. I'll just do six. To make it to further the the point that home court doesn't matter. I hope it goes seven though. So, do you think you guys think who wins this uh, series is gonna make the finals? Yes. I mean, a lot will depend on Embiid's injury, right? But yeah, we'll hit on that a bit later, right? That's the I, other concerning thing. I would have probably picked the winner of this series against Philly regardless. I mean, I would probably pick Philly against the Nets just because that's what I would want to happen. But Philly's just – I'm kind of lukewarm on these days. It's like when Ben Simmons isn't aggressive, you just have Joel Embiid offensively, and that's really it, you know? Did y'all see the press conference with Doc Rivers after that game? Someone asked him, like, did you think about sitting Ben? It was what a very smart answer. He said, essentially, No. Like, that's a dumbass question. He's pretty good. I'm not going to bench him. And he said, analytically, you'll take one point per possession. So as long as Ben was splitting those free throws when they went to the hack of Simmons strategy, that he was fine with it. Yeah. I I saw someone do an in-depth kind of breakdown of that on Twitter, too, like, Simmons would have had to have been like a career 42% free throw shooter for that to really be a smart analytical decision. And the fact that he essentially on that, you know, end of that game, those turned into like 1.11 points per possession. Any team would take that. 
That's well, he's 40, he's not 42% for the year, but he was 0 for, for 10 for the series. So maybe they're just thinking he was still in a cold streak, you know? I mean, I'm going to take a, a player's larger sample size over, you know, the mm-hmm. last two games. <laughs> yeah. What, what I don't get then is like there were a couple possessions after it was under two minutes, right? Now they can't foul off the ball. But it would be like hot potato if Ben Simmons touched the ball, right? He'd immediately catch it and throw it to somebody else so they don't foul him with the ball. So if they're really like fine with that, like they're okay with him taking the free throws. Just let them follow him. Why not just give him the ball and let him follow yeah. him? Like if that's really what they because want. Because if – I mean, if that's not what they want, right? It's a passable, passable thing to happen. But if you can get the ball out of his hands into a – someone that shoots 80% from the free throw line, wouldn't you rather them be holding the ball? But they're not going to That's not the him. choice that they have. They, it wasn't like in, it wasn't like under, under 24 seconds where they need to foul to stop the clock. They right. were just trying to do it to like, cause they thought I know. they, I was watching yeah. the game. Yeah. But I'm saying that's why so, they're not just going to tell Ben just to hold the ball. You still want you stay, they were down. They still needed to try to score. Yeah, I guess, I guess if Doc truly thinks he's fine in that situation with getting one out of two, getting one point each possession, then if that's truly what he thinks, then they should have just given Ben the ball and let him follow. If that's because you're not running your offense anyway, you're not getting another shot, right? <clears throat> so I, I mean, think if, he was if just, you just give you know, someone the ball just... and tell them to stand there. Yeah, you're not going to get another shot. The thing is, they were trying to create shots. Hmm. They were they were trailing. They needed to they needed to score still. I was just so, taking them out, honestly. I mean, exactly. at that point, you're doubling you're doubling Beal anyway, and it's like you're not scared of Westbrook. So on defense, like I get that's a big reason to keep him in, right? But I don't know. But he, yeah, he wasn't doing that much. I mean, it probably wouldn't matter in the long run. They were going to lose that game anyway, so whatever. Yeah, I just feel like it. I think Doc was more saying that to defend his player and try to get. Yeah, he has to say that, right? Well, and I mean, like, it was again the, a smart answer. <laughs> Sam, do you I understand also, what I'm saying? I don't understand how you can say at the same time, like, yes, we're good with one point per possession, and we want we're fine if they intentionally foul Ben, and at the same time say, well, we'd rather run our offense and try to get a like a good shot. Like, well, I think what Kyle is, are... I agree. I agree with you. Okay. I think what Kyle is saying is they'll settle for that as the end of their possession, but they want to try to find a different shot if possible. So they keep Simmons on the floor. They say, if they follow him, okay, but let's try to get another shot if we can. And uh, my response to both those things would be like analytics aside. I know that players have spoken before about, the reason Hackashack works is because it takes him out of the floor of the game and out of the offense. They're so discombobulated right. that they can't really score another way. You know what I'm saying? Which is kind of what I was saying. So I, I don't know if it's necessarily all about the analytics. It obviously is partly, but it's also to try to get them out of rhythm and make it so they can't do anything offensively, which is what ended up happening. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I would have taken them out. Like if you're playing hot potato on offense and you don't want to touch the ball, and you can't shut down Beal by yourself anyways, then what is he really giving you? But Yeah. 
but I do think there's an emotional aspect to it too, where it's like with and beat out, that's your star player. And so you're just going to bench him at the end of the game. I don't know. Maybe that does more harm than good. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, maybe. But we might as well just hit on that series real quick now too, while you're talking about it, because it came out earlier today that Embiid's doubtful for game five, right? With right knee soreness. They didn't really, I did, couldn't find the results of the MRI. I guess they, the MRI was negative, but they said he's going to be further evaluated. So not good news for Sixers fans. They're up 3-1 in that series right now, um, trying to close out the Wizards. But I think they could still close the Wizards without Embiid, maybe. But this is going to matter a lot for future series, too. Yeah, I think they'll probably close them out and they'll have, you know, a day to prepare and have a game plan, you know, assuming Embiid is out and they'll do their whole thing where they feed Simmons even more. Um, so I think they'll probably be fine. But next round, if Embiid's not healthy, that's looking dicey. Yeah. So next round looks like it's going to be against the Hawks, right? Because. Right. They are now up three to one against the Knicks. Now I'm not going to rule the Knicks out, but you know, when we previewed the podcast, you and I, you and I were talking, you all three of us actually said this. I think that Randall has been the better player this year, right? Than Trey young. And it's completely flipped in the playoffs. Trey young has been great and Randall has been terrible. So, you know, I think that's the reason our Knicks pick went awry. Kyle, do you do you think the Knicks have a chance to claw back in this series? I mean, you had said yourself that Derrick Rose was the key, but I feel like they almost need him too much, right? Yeah, Derrick Rose needed to be the key as long as Randall kept performing at his right at a decent his regular clip. season level. Yeah, and this isn't the first time I think we've said at least I think I said this on the last podcast, right? With a uh, Thibodeau team where we've seen them be great in the regular season and then he runs his players just so so hard during the regular season and is that really what's happening now who's to say but his star players have fizzled out in the playoffs before and it's happening again right it's great obviously for the Knicks to to have made the playoffs but at what cost right yeah and it's like now that it's happening, I almost feel like it's so obvious, you know, going back, I'm like, why did I pick the Knicks? Like, of course, I know Trey Young is better than Julius Randle, you know, I, but we just hadn't seen really either player in the playoffs in this role. And, right. and Trey, Trey, I mean, has, Trey had his flashes, right? He just wasn't yeah. nearly as consistent as Randle was during the regular season. But, yep. I mean, shows up when it matters. I, you can't discount what Bogdanovich is doing. You definitely can't discount what Capella's brought to this Hawks team either this this postseason he's been yeah and you know the thing i really overlooked too was i remember mentioning like hunter wasn't in those games when randall went off and i was like oh well you know maybe hunter will cover randall but he doesn't look 100 percent well he's kind of forming into 100 percent now and he is that player that can shut randall down um so you got hunter on him you got Collins on him they he meets capella in the paint there's just nothing randall can do against that and yeah i i just don't you know, we always say this when a, when a series looks a certain way and then sometimes it flips, but there doesn't seem to be a lot of avenues for the Knicks to get out of this hole, in my eyes. No, not really. Yeah, Unless I... Julius Randle, you know, starts hitting his pull-up three-pointers that he was hitting during the regular season at a tremendous clip, which yeah. he hasn't been able to do the last four games. Right. I could yeah. see the Knicks getting getting another game, but... 
I, I would I would not bet against the Hawks at this point. And yeah, I think the more interesting question is would the Hawks have a chance against the Sixers without Embiid? I think they definitely have a chance. Even with Embiid at, you know, 70, 80% or something, that would be a very interesting series. Um, and seeing seeing Trey Young dribbling around and Ben Simmons chasing him and all that would be pretty exciting, I think. And the thing I I dislike about the Knicks offense is, first of all, every aspect of it. Second of all, they don't really do what we had talked about before a series like, the key to playing Trey Young is you got to make him pay on defense, right? You have to get him in every pick and roll, get a switch onto him and punish him. And they just haven't shown a proclivity to do that, right? I mean, I don't know. I guess they're just not built for that, you know? But are the Sixers really built for that? I don't know. You know, like who on the Sixers is that apex wing that's going to that's gonna punish? Maybe Tobias will do a little bit of it, but I'm not sure that's really their strength either. No, honestly, I think it – you know, might honestly be a tougher matchup than it we think it'll be for uh, for Philly. I mean, especially if Embiid's not 100%. But, like, just I, I feel like there's more scores. Again, and we said this before the Knicks series, too, there's more scores on the Hawks. And if Bogdanovich is going to keep playing like this, Trey's going to keep playing like this, Capella – you know, being that force down low against Embiid, um, I, I could see the Hawks winning that series. The more I think about it, it's like Capella can guard Embiid without needing a double every time, I think. Similar to how we talked about Nurk versus Jokic, it's like he's not going to shut him down, obviously, but he can do a reasonable job of at least slowing him down without needing a double, which is what – you know, the double is what Philly's offense thrives on, right? So that could be useful. And they have way more scoring weapons than the Sixers have. So I think that will be an interesting series, especially if Embiid isn't at 100%. Agreed. And everyone just get ready for, like I said, Trey Young's going to win a playoff series before Luka Doncic will. <laughs> I mean, the Hawks did a better job surrounding Trey Young with – you know, a good team than yeah. Dallas has surrounding Luca with a good team. I mean, so. That's for damn sure. Uh, yeah. I mean, you can't count Dallas out of it. It's two, two in no, that series. Yeah. And Luca's not a hundred percent though. So Luka's that's the worrying thing. Enough, so. Let's just transition to that series because this series and the other LA series really just did a flip for us. You know, first couple games, Clippers lose both at home. We say, all right, Kawhi's leaving. Let's look at Paul George trades, one of the two. Then they come back to Dallas. The Mavs go up 30 to 11, 19 to 4, then 30 to 11. But then uh, it seems like Luca injured his neck shoulder area uh, on a play drive into the rim and hasn't looked the same since. Um, he seems to be hurt, like when he throws cross court passes and stuff. I mean, if Luca is 100%, he might as well wrap this up for the Clippers, I think, unless, you know, yeah. the, Mavs just get hot from three or something. I mean, I don't know this. So the, the clips also made the adjustment to go small, right? Not starting Zubach, starting French's finest Nicholas Batum instead. And Marcus at the four or at the five, excuse me. And it's funny because 
the Mavs have this guy who's seven, three, and you would think going small against them, you're roadkill, right? You can't go small against AD. You can't go small against Jokic, but Chris stops. It's soft. <laughs> I mean, he can't post up. He's more of a perimeter player and he's not a rim protector. So you're not hurt at all when you go small against him. It's just, he's, he's really hurting them. I think in this series. Kristaps is so frustrating because he does nothing with his height. It makes no impact on the game. He's never like, in the paint. There's no difference yeah. between him and Tim Hardaway Brent Forbes. <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah. <laughs> what? yeah, it's great. He's tall and he can shoot, but his height isn't an advantage in any way. He doesn't protect the rim. He doesn't post up. What's the point of having a seven foot three player if you're just catching and shooting, like so that he could take a mid range yeah. jump shot over a shorter player and miss? Yeah, and then he can't yeah. guard anybody either, then because he can't yeah. guard small players. It's like right. I don't understand your value. Yeah, and fun. the the real telling thing is they put Boban in because like okay, real maybe start. he can ex- actually exploit the size and do something on offense. <laughs> That's when you know you're desperate. So we love Boban. Yeah, of course. I mean, he's the greatest villain in John Wick in the John Wick movie series. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, obviously, if Luke is not 100%, this is not going to be the series for the Mavs, but it's just interesting how it turns so quickly, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a, a series of momentum. And I mean, I even said it, you know, partway through game two. I was like, if the Clippers lose this, they're screwed. Like, it's the whole thing you know you got to win four out of five then and now here we are and series is tied and it's clean slate best two out of three and the Mavs best player and entire center of their universe is hobbled so everything depends on how healthy Luca is but Clippers are feeling pretty good right now I'd say yeah and I'm not going to count the Mavs out I think this will I'm hoping it goes to game seven. Wouldn't that be fun? Um, that would be. And who knows? I mean, it seems like one of those things that Luca might be able to get right in a couple of days, you know? He got the extra – he has the extra day off too, I think. They, right, because right. the second – the game is until tomorrow. Um, mm-hmm. So by the time the listeners hear this, they'll know who's up in the series and how Luca looks. But, yeah, it's a shame when injuries affect something like this, but – I just hope it's a long series and we see a healthy Luca by, you know, game seven. That's what I'm hope. That's what I'm rooting for. Um, in the other LA series, injuries have similarly tilted the tide. Um, much like the Mavs Clippers, who completely flip-flopped. So the, the Lakers went up two to one and Chris Paula looked not himself at all um, because of a shoulder injury. And then the last game, Anthony Davis got injured, didn't play the Paul second half, himself. and Chris Paul looked himself, and the Suns tied it up 2-2. And now we know for sure we're not going to have Anthony Davis in game five. I'm guessing if we see him in six and seven, he's not going to be 100%. You know, uh, He had a groin injury, which seems tough. Um, but, you know, I'm a little – if I was a Lakers fan or someone who gambled on them to win the championship, as I did, I would be and am a little nervous because – yeah, I see people saying online, I was telling Seth this earlier, they're saying like, okay, well, now LeBron has to channel his 2018 Cavs, right? It's like, I just don't know if he can do that anymore, at least not 
for four quarters with that, you know, he's still kind of easing into every game. It seems with that ankle injury. So I would be honestly a little surprised if they win game five and then we'll see what happens when AD comes back and maybe you can get them back in the series. Right. It to me doesn't, it doesn't really feel like it's about the ankle. I think it's more about conserving his energy in general. So you could be right in that sense where he just can't expend the same amount of energy playing at that high of a level like he could in 2018. But at the same time, I wouldn't be surprised if they won a couple games, even without AD. Obviously, I'll be cheering against that. And particularly, like, for Chris Paul's sake, I hope that another playoffs isn't ruined for him because of injury. Um, But from what I've heard and, you know, a couple of people talked about, like, how rough groin injuries are, I don't think – I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't come back at all the rest of the series. Um, And if he does, I think he would be severely limited. That would be wild. Would it? Uh, Yeah. I mean, I'm, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised either, but just thinking about it, like not having AD the rest of the series, it would be tough for the Lakers. I think I would heavily favor the Suns if AD is not coming back at all. Especially since Chris Paul, I, he still hasn't really hit his three. But other than that, the mid-range team's back. Um, yeah. He had the little suction cuppy thing on his shoulder, which you always like to see. So, uh, Kyle, Lakers might lose in the first round. How wild would that be, huh? I mean, we said it going into the playoffs. It was all about health for them, right? And I'm just trying to find a tweet, but I can't now. Um, there's – for this series, the Lakers, I think, are like overall plus – like 18 or something when LeBron and all the minutes that LeBron has played in the minimal minutes that he has sat, the Lakers are like minus 30 something. And you know that AD was on the court for a majority of those minutes. LeBron was sitting, take AD out of that. Now, you know what it's just. LeBron may just need to play 48 minutes. He might. And and he honestly might try to do it, but it's going to ruin his career, right? The rest of his career. There's no way he could sustain that. That's what I'm worried about with this ankle. I keep telling you guys, this is a JV Achilles right here. I don't know. I mean, I think, I think it would have been best. Like a, a doctor would have told him to take the rest of the season off if he wants it to heal properly, but he obviously didn't. And I don't, I just don't, he just doesn't seem like maybe like Seth said though, maybe it's just a game of chess where he's, you know, trying to conserve energy, but I just don't know if he has it in him at this point to do the 2018 Cavs for four quarters, but it would be funny though. If both of the teams that were in the finals last year, lost in the first round, you know, after all the talk of the bubble, maybe having an asterisk and we're like, nah, it doesn't have an asterisk, <laughs> but we know the reasons those teams lost in the first round, right? It would be injuries for the Lakers and for the heat they ran to a buzzsaw bucks team. That's much better than last year. Right. Also, I mean- now it just all comes down to the the player that was untradeable for Kyle Lowry, right? This is Tyler the Hero? THT shining moment. Oh, THT. THT isn't even getting minutes, really. I guess he will now, but... He will now. <laughs> I was going to mention, too... I forgot to mention this about the Bucks. 
after Jimmy saying, just get me, get me to the playoffs. I'll handle the rest. He was the only, <laughs> that was the only team not to win a game in the first round. <laughs> that's a tough one. He played very poorly too. I mean, that's a great defense he went up against, but still not his best, not his best work. I mean, right. The, the Bucks did everything they needed to do in the off season, which we talked about. So what do you, it's so interesting. Yeah. Jimmy's in like that. That I don't know. You wouldn't say he's a top ten player, but maybe he's a top twenty player. And then he goes toe to toe with LeBron in the finals last year, a forty point triple double. And we're like, okay, hold up. You know, is he in the top ten? It's like, no, nah, actually, he's probably right where he said we were. It's top twenty. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was really one game when he went toe to toe. Yeah, and he's had this thing where it's like he doesn't really shoot threes, and when he does, he doesn't make very many of them. Buck series. And then in the playoffs, he like seems to turn it on, but maybe there's a limit to how much he can really flip that switch. I mean, yeah. the rest of the Heat really didn't do anything either. So, yeah, the rest of the Heat yeah. got worse too. Yeah, that's a big part. Yeah. Too. Um, let's head on Blazers Nuggets real quick. We talked about it a little bit before we started recording, but it's not a blowout anymore, by the way. Yeah, it's right now it's three points it's a six, half. 65 62 at halftime as we speak. It's 2-2. I mean, this game, this is going seven. We knew it before the series. I said it, you know, when we were previewing the podcast, we all agreed, you know, it's going to be a long series. Um, In game one, Nurkic was covering Jokic one-on-one, like we had talked about previously. He scored 37, they lost. Then they came back, adjusted. Now Jokic is kind of doing less post-up and more from the elbow with three to get his teammates more involved because they're not doubling, right? Um. And so that's been working. And like we talked about before the pod, it seems like every game is a blowout for the opposite team, right? We zigzag back and forth. So I honestly, going to my head, I'll still pick Denver in seven because that's what I had beforehand. But it's such a toss-up series, right? Yeah, I mean, the funny thing is, it's like we were picking this to go seven series with or without Jamal Murray. So yeah, <laughs> what does I mean, really say about Jamal Murray? I feel like Denver just always has to have a, a seven-game first-round series. I mean, it, it, with Jamal, we might have said five or six. But, yeah, um, yeah, I picked Portland in seven before, and I'll stick with that as well. But I could easily see it going either way. Um, and I, I just hope we get some close games because some of these have been blowouts. And especially, like, with Dame and – Jokic being such clutch players, it's just so much fun to watch them perform in a close game. So that's really my only hope for the rest of the series. Yeah. And I feel like it's so (laughs) – it's just funny to see the guards from Portland against the guards from Denver. It's like, all right, cool, we have Dame and CJ. And like, all right, we got got Compasso and Rivers. Let's go to battle. (laughs) And Rivers, Rivers was that game game three? Yeah. Or yeah. What is this? 18 point third fourth quarter? He might as well have been Dame. It was it was Rivers time in that fourth. Yeah. But I love Composite though. Really love the way watching him play. He's like if you took Nikola Jokic and shrunk him to a quarter of the size. <laughs> That's it's, that's composite. <laughs> it's honey, I shrunk the big honey. <laughs> He seems a lot feistier and more annoying than Jokic. Jokic is pretty chill. 
I mean, I don't know. Jokic flails about a lot and, and gets mad at the refs. You know, when it, sometimes he doesn't get a call and he just smacks a player when they're going back down the court. He can be curmudgeonly for sure. I guess. I feel like if Jokic was that size, that's the way he'd play, though, because that's he exactly couldn't bully people this size. Yeah. Uh, okay. One more series quickly. Grizz Jazz. Jazz up 3 1. I think this is, series has kind of gone the way we thought it, it uh, would. The Grizz have been feisty, though, and John Morant has perhaps made an ascension into superstardom during this uh, during this series. I mean, in his second career playoff game, he scored 47. So that's pretty that good? good, I think. I think Dylan Brooks <laughs> has made that ascent, too. <laughs> Dylan Brooks, if he wouldn't fall out of every game, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I always – it's – Jaws is interesting. I always seem like – I compared him to Russell Westbrook, maybe John Wall, but is he better than that? I don't know. He's better you know? than that. He's better than that. I think he's just proven that just this playoff series. Yeah, I mean, John Wall never scored forty-seven in a playoff game, as far as my recollection. So he's just—it's—it's it's so fun to watch him play too, because he just is so like unfazed or not afraid at all to go. But he's into not scared of Gobert at Gobert. all. No. Who would be though? He's ass. I mean, <laughs> I knew he'd say slanderous. it. I still wanted it. <laughs> I was texting Sam. It's wild how Seth just muted himself in the middle of a sentence. I'm not. I'm not sure if this is a dramatic pause or not. It was dramatic. How? Uh, <laughs> sorry, my internet connection was unstable for a second. Actually, I was texting Sam how it's wild that down the stretch, Jonathan Morant's go-to move is crossover, go into the lane and try to posterize someone. <laughs> like it works though more than it should, right? Yeah, yeah, it does. it's ridiculous. His his ability at the rim and especially in the paint is just so uncanny. It's nuts. It's so fun to watch. Mm. It really and is. honestly, I, you know, you said this is kind of how we expected the series to go. I didn't think that the Grizz would really compete, to be honest. I didn't know if they were at that level yet. Yeah. Like, I think, I think uh, the Jazz kind of get a lot more of the, like, established, you know, kind of veteran calls that the Grizz don't have the advantage of getting by the refs in any of these games. Mm -hmm. For sure. Yeah. I think it's been a a pleasant surprise in certain, some ways that the games have been closer than I maybe would have expected. I will say I have been impressed at the way the jazz have been able to pull away and that they've performed well in the clutch. And I don't know. You could take that and be like, well, why are why is it even close with three minutes to play against the inferior team? Or you can look at it and say, well, that's going to bode well against some of the better teams that they can perform well. They have got multiple scorers. They can create their own shots. They've got good free throw shooters, you know, all that kind of stuff. So I think um, for the most part, I feel just as good about the Jazz as I did before the playoffs started and maybe just a little bit even more impressed with Morant and how he's performed. And I think grit and grind Grizzlies are back. They're definitely back. And, and going off what you were saying, it, it is impressive that, you know, 
Memphis has clawed back in a lot of these games and they go on these runs and it's just every time Memphis goes on a run, it's just so like disheartening because I want Memphis to win to see the jazz just turn around and just essentially go on a run of their own and just stave it off just another time after time after time. It's like the Grizzlies will get there. They'll tie the game. They'll come within two. And then next thing you know, the jazz are up by 10 again. But I think it, I think like you said, the way the series has played out has, I think it's made me hopeful for the future of this Grizzlies team. Cause like they're so young. It's their first playoffs one versus eight, you're not expected to win, but they've been in every game and just kind of because they're a young team, the inexperience I think has led them to kind of, you know, crater in close games, right? But I don't expect that as much going forward. I think they, they're a team that actually could make some noise in the playoffs in years to come, right? I, I think I have been pleasantly surprised from what I've seen from them. Like the, the final games, three to one is what I expected, you know, but not, I guess, the way we got there, right? I think it's a fun story for sure. And when you look at it, you know, at the start of this season, at the start of the previous season, if you compare like the Pelicans and the Grizzlies, right? We all thought, oh, the Pelicans are this bright future. They've got young team, all these talented stars. And, you know, it's what are the Grizzlies really? Memphis has. You have Ja, you have Valanchunas. And then after that, you're like, Dylan Brooks? Exactly. Yeah. And Memphis has shown like they might have a better future than the Pelicans. They've certainly performed better the last two years. So especially they if they continue to play DeAnthony Melton and Desmond Bain, big minutes off the bench. Those two are budding superstars. Kyle, how are you feeling now that your boy Brandon Clark has fallen out of the rotation in playoff games? It's fucking ridiculous. <laughs> Jaron Jackson Jr. makes a mistake every single time down the court. I want well, Brandon offense and defense. I'm tired of him jacking up threes that he just clanks off the backboard, and then he just gets burned on the defensive end every single possession. Yeah, I'm not that high on Jaron. I don't know if I'm missing something or what, but like, is Clark injured? That and I don't know about it. I think this team's too deep for Clark. I think we need to find Clark another team. I think Clark just needs to play instead of Jaron. <laughs> yeah, I, I haven't been too impressed. I mean, he's always injured too. That's the other thing. And Clark, he's coming Jaren. back from injury this year. <laughs> Jaron. Uh, before we close this pod, like, let's do a quick check-in on our, our boys, shall we? So announcement for the listeners, I ended up putting in um, Marcus Saul in for Draymond because I realized Draymond didn't make the playoffs. When we recorded last time, I was so sure the Warriors were going to beat Memphis because Kyle told me there's an 80% chance. So. And so I can't. That might have been the worst it. game the Warriors have played all season, to be honest. Yeah. All, so all season without Wiseman and, and Ubre on the court. The worst so, game they played without those two. So now my team is Ben Simmons, he of the hack of Ben, Jamal Murray, who is out with an ACL. <laughs> so far, two for two, feeling great. Uh, <laughs> and then I have, we ended on Mikhail Bridges. Um, Jalen Brunson and finally Marcus Saul. So Marcus Saul has seen some run, so I'm proud of him. Uh, maybe the Lakers can make it out of the first round. If not, I have they're going to need so. Marcus Saul to play tonight because there's no way that they could play big and keep Drummond in there for 28 minutes. <laughs> Drummond shouldn't even see the court. 
we ever know this again in his career while he's starting. So, <laughs> uh, and then I'd say Jamal is doing well on the bench, cheering for the Nuggets going to Game Seven. Uh, ben Simmons, we'll see if he can close it out. And uh, Jalen Brunson might lose in the first round. So really, it's all up in the air with my team. Yeah, I devised this whole little exercise and then put four out of my five eggs in the Celtics and the Blazers baskets. So not sure really what the strategy was there. Celtics are out. Blazers obviously still have a chance. And then my fifth one was Clay, who's not in the playoffs. So, yeah, feeling good. <laughs> We're humming I would allow here. you to sub in. You can sub in for Clay. I subbed in for Draymond. No, nah, you think about that, boys. Okay, I'm not Kyle. How your boys? We've doing? lost Butler, but we still got Harden, Schroeder, Covington, and Jokic going. So, mm. Schroeder was a smooth, a, a sneaky pick for you, and now you have a Lakers player. I do too, and Marcus Allo, who I've always been loyal to. So, <laughs> all right. Well, let's hope our boys do well uh, in the rest of the playoffs. Any any final thoughts in these playoffs, guys? It's been fun so far. Four games down, 12 to go. What could it mean? Four games down, Nets. 12 to go. The Nets. Oh, just the Nets. Okay. Disgusting, honestly. <laughs> I'm wearing the perfect shorts. I'm going to need to buy more shorts like this. For yeah. When I get my, uh, you know, when Harden wins. Are you ready for these? Yeah. Oh, let me pull them down just a little bit. I, want to, I hope he's just not wearing pants at all. Essentially. <laughs> well my god for our listeners at home who can't see it's basically boxer length if that so so they're you're the, gonna get his the, face under your thigh right above my knee i think if they that's uh that's a good place if i wear so these are the shorts that have the like lining in them they're running shorts yeah i didn't know that the first time i put them on <laughs> i didn't look when nice. i bought them either so I already had my briefs on, and my briefs are about four inches longer than these shorts. <laughs> <laughs> Love uh, I can't wait for you to harden Ted too. All right, well, we got to go watch these games. So what are we doing sitting around here, right? I'm already watching. <laughs> All right, Kyle, send our listeners off. I mean, I said it once, I'll say it again. Four games down, 12 more to go. Let's go. Let's